He's from the hard-hitting world of ice hockey. She's from the red carpets of Tinseltown. Together, they are two of the leading executive producers in Hollywood. Responsible for mega hits like Hoosiers, Sudden Death, and the Oscar-winning Ray. A true sports and entertainment power couple. Meet Karen and Howard Baldwin. This is Pucks and Paparazzi with your host, Stephen Maggi. Howard Baldwin has owned teams in the National Hockey League and World Hockey Association. Karen Baldwin has been an actor and TV reporter. This is a real dynamic duo. Now, let's drop the puck and turn the lights. Here's the host of Pucks and Paparazzi, Stephen Maggi. Well, let's talk a little about the game played up in Lake Tahoe, an outdoor game on a golf course. Now, and this kind of reminds me of the movie, which we're going to get into, Mystery Alaska from 1999, that you guys were involved with a great movie. And that whole idea, I, th- I think there's a certain fantasy, isn't there, of, of playing on a pond somewhere in, in the same way that you had uh, uh, the old baseball movie where they uh, come out of the, you know, the, the old players yeah. come out of the, ba- the cornfields. It's kind of the same thing with this. Absolutely. It was a real nod to the origins of the sport and how Howard as a boy with his father learned how to play on the pond and David Kelly, who was our writer, um, the David Kelly, who has gone on to be, you know, just an incredible talent. Um, he played that way with his father um, on the pond and they'd have, you know, weekend games and they'd have neighborhood games and both Howard and David um, when we were at lunch, sort of said, God, wouldn't it be great to make a movie that sort of honors that? And that was sort of how it first came to be. Now, did they come to you at all with this concept of Lake Tahoe? Because this, in a way, is your concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they did. I mean, the league, Gary and Steve Mayer and Commissioner Bettman have been terrific in giving recognition to the, to the um, Mystery Alaska movie. And so, so I mean, I don't know whether uh, who watched the broadcast or not. Hopefully, they had a great viewing audience. But if they saw the games and enjoyed the games, they would have joined a lot of mentions um, about the movie itself, and and even even a little Zoom vignette discussion, which was a lot of fun, was on there. So they were they were great about it. And they also sort of said to us, "God, we see what you're up against," because. <laughs> When they got there, you know, as well prepared as you'd like to be, Mother Nature has the final laugh, basically. <laughs> so, I mean, when we were in Canmore and we, you know, it was freezing. I was never so cold in my life until the week when we were meant to play the final games. And then a Chinook came in, which is a very warm wind, and the actual ice melted. So we had to get um, the gentleman who, for the NHL, brought in the portable ice. Um, and the NHL said to us, too, like now the whole thing was they were upset about, you know, the sunlight and how it could be in the player's eyes. And they had to figure out angles and all different kinds of things because, you know, you're out in the elements. You're up against nature. Well, Kenmore is in, um, in Alberta, right? That's it was yeah. in, is in Banff, which is a great yeah. national yeah. park. The Three Sister Mountains are what surrounded us. And it was actually a quarry. Um, and we flooded the quarry and, and froze it over for the pond. Oh, that's great. Well, let's tell people a little. If they haven't seen it, they should. And certainly you can rent this anywhere. So let's uh, tell people what it was about. It was kind of a comedy and a drama at the same time about 
a team in Alaska. So kind of set us up with the format of the, of the movie. Sure. The, the premise of the movie was a small town, Mystery, Alaska, who is down on its economic luck, trying to find ways to revive whatever economy they had and do something to stimulate that and stimulate interest in the town. And so they, they got this idea of, well, gee whiz, maybe our hockey, the guys that play the game on the pond could challenge the New York Rangers <laughs> to a game. With that, then if they ever accepted that challenge and if it ever worked out, then, of course, people would flock up to see the game. But more importantly, it'd be on television and it would give great exposure to to the little town itself, which was a very quaint town. Biggest item on the budget of the movie was building the town because we yeah. built that town. Disney felt it had to have a certain look and feel. Disney was our studio. We were like, God, well, maybe we just, you know, find a small little town that could work. And they were like, oh, no. <laughs> so, well, what kind of detail did they go to, Karen? I mean, you know, when you say they built a town, that wasn't just a few wooden uh, fronts, right? That's right. It was. It was actually. You know, sometimes they'll do just facades. This was. Um, this was totally built out. Doors open. You went in. There were rooms. I mean, it was yeah, built they, a town. They, the the facade. The church was a facade. Yeah. The locker room was unbelievably cool. And I think, actually, the director, Jay Roach, Jay has that locker room somewhere in his ranch in Arizona. <laughs> and, and and the room where they had the speech, remember the speech and all, where they were deciding on whether to have the, have the team come, that was built. So Karen's right. There was some serious build-outs for the movie, and then some was a facade. And Disney does those kind of movies. They're just a great studio with that. They kind of understand that you because ha- you do have to give it a certain sense of believability to keep people into it. Interestingly enough, remember Disney um, had owned the Mighty Ducks, the hockey team, right? Um, so they were very into the whole hockey of it. Um, and actually, I think there was a changeover. And part of the issue we had with with Mystery Alaska was the movie was started under one administration and completed under another. And so that made it a little more challenging and difficult. We were meant to have a release during the hockey season, and we wound up instead with the spring release. So there were some disappointments along the way that I think um, the movie might have done a little bit better had we stuck with the original plan. But, you know, you adjust. Those things happen, right? And it, it things, it's got to be difficult because and maybe you guys can talk a little to that because this is what you do. And as much as you try to control everything, there's some things you just can't control. That's correct. But the last thing you want uh, when you're marketing a movie is you don't want to have everybody geared up and the promotion start for one time of the year and then all of a sudden say, no, we're going to adjust it and move it to three or four months later. That right, right away gives it the aura of a problem for the movie. Maybe there's something wrong with this movie. There's nothing wrong with this movie. We maintain if it had come out when it was meant to come out, it would have done way better than it did. Now, as it is, it still is. It's like a cult movie. It's, it's really gained dollars, which is great for Disney because they were fabulous to work with as a studio. They were just terrific. So I'm glad that it's it's all of a sudden um, over the years become that kind of a cult film. But you do not want to have a, what I call a stuttering release date. 
That makes and sense. Mr. Jay Roach had never actually um, had never seen or played a hockey game and did a great job. And we thought that that was pretty interesting, actually. And and he embraced it totally. He did a brilliant job with it. And he's now gone on to do, you know, he's, he's done many a movie, including the Meet the Parents, um, Austin Powers. I mean, he's really had an amazing career. You know, the idea of it being a cult film, I think those are always great because that's one nice thing about films is, okay, you get that shot when it's when it's released and so forth. People remember it, and that's how the awards come and so forth. Mm-hmm. But those really good movies, and I mean, I, the one that comes to right off the top of my head is like It's a Wonderful Life. If if enough people can start seeing about it and talking about it, it may take way longer than they thought. But but the quality really rises to the top. I mean, there's no question. You know, people sometimes will say, "Well, it's like if you're out there, because we get a lot of sports movies, obviously pitched to us." Uh, scripts and all, and people will say, well, it's, it's a sports movie, it's got baseball, it's got hockey, and that's just nonsense. If it's a good movie and a good story, uh, it, frankly, it doesn't matter what's, what it is about. It's just got to be a good movie, good characters, and a good story. And then if it happens to be on sports, that just expands your potential viewing audience. Right, because sports isn't just something we enjoy now, but a lot of us remember our childhood through that, the relationships with their, with their fathers or mothers or what have you, watching games, things that happen in life. And I thought it was really good in the movie, too, of the way you showed the NHL team, the Rangers. There was a certain respect to it, because sometimes you're always afraid they can kind of dismiss it or something. Even the way like the players came in and they appeared so big, I think that's actually true. When you suddenly see NHL players of that caliber, you can notice a difference right there. Sure, there's a swagger for sure that, that's well earned, um, and and I think that what was fun about it was um, there was the mutual respect there, and that's when we were talking about the ending. Well, well, do we do we beat them? And it's you know the obvious underdog takes it all or. Do we lose to them? But but that they thought we did a great job and we had pride in the job. There was a lot of debate over how the movie should, you know, should we win or not? Yeah, that's interesting. And do you try it both ways sometimes? Because, you know, the, the way you did it here was great. In some ways, I think it's, it's more believable this way. But, you know, there's different ways you can try it. Is that something you at least storyboard out? We didn't. Um, we, we just... We just believed in this. And now we talked about it a lot and had many a discussion on it. And there are movies that will shoot an alternative ending and then test it. We didn't do that in this case, but this would have been a good case to to do it if we were going to, because, you know, it was either they win and it's, you know, probably a little unrealistic, but but very, very satisfying or um, they lose, but with dignity. And I think in the end of the day, everybody felt that life is more about losing with dignity. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. And what a cast you guys put together. I mean, my God, Russell Crowe, great. I <laughs> love seeing him out there. And then Hank yeah. Azaria. You even had yeah. Burt Reynolds in it. I mean, this is really yeah. quality uh, quality actors in this. Yeah, thank you. It, it was, thanks. It was a good cast. And, and we got Russell right after L.A. Confidential. And and he was great to work with, and he had never never skated. And what he did, and this is where we both admire him so much, is he made it a point to study the mannerisms of a hockey player when they came out of the locker room, when they were in the locker room, the way they held their stick, the way they carried themselves. 
And then he knew once he got on the ice, he, he, he couldn't quite measure up, though he did he did better than you would have thought on the ice. But we, then we had a good double. But I thought it was amazing the way he nailed the the mannerisms and the whole persona of a player. All of the guys, because Russell, you know, Russell was played the team captain and and very much in life is sort of the captain of his friends, if you will. And he's stayed in good touch with these guys, and they've all once or twice a year they talk to one another, they get together um, because the Mister experience for them is really fun and a bonding experience. And I think when the league came to us to tell us about uh, the games in Lake Tahoe. They asked us if, if we could try to sort of get in touch with the guys and see if they'd want to participate in any way. And every single one of them couldn't wait to participate and wanted to talk about the experience. It was really nice to see how much it meant to these guys. Including Russell, who was unable to participate because he was off working. But, you know, they all have a great feeling about this movie. It's sort of a George Plimpton thing, right, where all of a sudden you get out there with those people and you really appreciate what they do. I mean, it's one thing to watch and appreciate the game from the stands, but when you're there and you see what they go through, like you say, and study it to that detail, you can really appreciate the quality of a professional athlete. There's no question you're right. No question. Well, there was a couple of other fun things in there, too. You're going to recognize some other people that had roles. Phil Esposito, for example. Uh, <laughs> Barry Melrose. That's fun. And, of course, Little Richard, which I think is kind of cool, too. That movie yeah. really had a lot when you look at it. So the cast stays strong all the way th- from top to bottom. Absolutely. And uh, remember the Don Cherry imitation, Mike Myers? That's right. Yeah, and that's great. And, of course, it's hockey fans that would really appreciate that. But that is just – and people from Canada, of course. But that was great. Yeah, we, we, we really made an effort to make sure – there's nothing worse if you're watching a movie that has a theme of sports. Nothing worse than when they cut to the sports having it look bad. And we really tried to uh, make this look great. And, you know, David Kelly's dad, Jack Kelly, recently passed, was our GM and coach for years. Jack did so much of the choreographing of the hockey. Um, and, and some of the actors were, were like Michael Bowie, Cameron, Cameron Bancroft, were really good players. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. And I guess the choreographing of that, where you have some people that haven't done it, like like Russell Crowe, and then you've got like people you're switching in and out to, to keep that fluid, that's where uh, the production values are just so important, I would guess. Yeah, exactly right. You've you got to really spend a lot of time. Obviously, you know, when it's a close-up, you can get away with a little more, right? But a faraway shot when they're actually playing. And I, I know Jay, when he filmed it, he said, okay, let's just play. Play, 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 and then you edit, and then you do choreograph certain scenes. Um, but it, the hockey came out really good, we felt. And it, as an actor, it's interesting because when you send around your headshot and resume, which I think now is probably done electronically online, I mean, I was back in the old days when there was paper and photographs, um, you would have to say what your skills were. And by God, if you said you could play hockey and you showed up, you better be able to play hockey. So I think that was the tough lesson. Karen's right. There was when they had tryouts, you know, they, that here in L.A. That they put the call out for play actors for for a role in Mystery Alaska and show up at such and such a rink with your skates. It was a kid. What was the movie? Unforgiven. Clint Eastwood. And this kid was good in the movie. Really good in the movie. He played the fellow that befriended. 
Flint's character and all. And he said, I can skate. I'm good at skating. And he showed up at the rink and he opens his bag and there were figure skates. <laughs> so you say, no, that's not going to work. Yeah, it's one of those things. I guess it's like if, if the rule call, uh, calls for you to speak French, you're probably not going to be able to fake that. You know, that's if, if you right. That's correct. Right, right. Well, you were involved in Hoosier, which was another great different sport, another uh, great thing. And then, of course, the movie we all we talked about the movie Ray, which was fantastic, had nothing to do with sports. But when you see things happen in life, particularly in the world of sports, because both of you have been involved for so many years with it. Are you always kind of thinking, hey, that could make a good movie? Is that one of those things when you when you see things develop that in the back of your mind, you're thinking maybe we have something? Absolutely. I think you always. You tend to approach things with an eye toward that when, as a development company, it's, you know, it's all about finding a special story that can motivate people or inspire people. And I think sports in and of itself is inspirational and motivating. And, um, and sure, there's, uh, I know there's something in development, I believe, about what happened in Vegas. Uh, with the shootings and the hockey team and how the hockey team really mm-hmm. helped that whole town rally around and, um, and help mourn a difficult situation. Um, I believe that's in development. So you have a lot of, you know, projects that have sports as a backdrop, but that really reflect what was going on in society and, and sort of the attitudes of people at the time. And and, it, and they reflect triumph of the human spirit. And we, we like movies like that. And we need movies like that. It's great, and it's wonderful. Like you talk about the the Vegas story with the shootings. Sometimes mm-hmm. things like through sports, we can tell a story about what's going on in the culture, and I think that people can really identify with that. Absolutely, there's no question, no question. Well, Howard and Karen, once again, the time just flies by. I look forward to talking with you again next week on Pucks and Paparazzi. We look forward to it. Thanks so much. Next time on Pucks and Paparazzi, Howard, Karen, and I welcome the man who brought Wayne Gretzky to Los Angeles, Bruce McNall. McNall's had a fascinating and controversial life, making his fortune as a coin collector and ending up as the owner of the Los Angeles Kings. That's next time on Pucks and Paparazzi. Thanks for listening. I'm Stephen Maggi. You've been listening to Pucks and Paparazzi. Join us next time for a fun, unique look at the worlds of sports and entertainment. Thanks for listening.